السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ احمد ونسلی علی رسول کریم اما بعد فاعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم ربشرحلی صدری ویسرلی امری وحل العقدت من لسانی یفقہ قولی ربنا زدنا علما So inshallah today we will begin Kitabul Adhan But before that just one more point about Mawaqeetul Salah There is a hadith in Sahih Muslim which describes in a very comprehensive way the timings of prayers and also when the forbidden times are. So this is in Muslim in Kitab Salatul Musafirin that a man by the name of Amr ibn Abbasa he asked the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam akhbirni anis salah o messenger of Allah please tell me about salah about the prayer. So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said perform the subh prayer meaning the fajr prayer and then stop praying when the sun is rising meaning after performing the fajr prayer then what should you do stop praying when the sun is rising until it is fully up for when it rises it comes up between the horns of shaitan so why is it forbidden to perform salah at that time while the sun is rising because the sun is rising between the horns of shaitan and the unbelievers prostrate themselves to it at that time there are people who worship the sun And at that time, what do they do? They prostrate to the sun. So, two reasons. Firstly, to not honor the shaitan. And secondly, in order to not resemble the unbelievers. He said, then pray, for the prayer is witnessed and attended by the angels until the shadow becomes about the length of a lance. Then cease the prayer, for at that time, hell is heated up. So this is referring to the time when the sun is at the meridian. after which zawal begins so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam gave the reason because at that time what happens hell is heated up and with the intensity of the heat of the sun that is what it reminds you of and this is why we see that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam when would he offer zuhur prayer later when it would not be extremely hot because it would be easy for the people Then when the shadow moves forward pray for the prayer is witnessed and attended by the angels until you pray the afternoon prayer then cease the prayer until the sun sets for it sets between the horns of the devil Again do not pray at the time when the sun is setting because it sets between the horns of the devil and at that time the unbelievers prostrate themselves before it So again the same reason for the sunrise and sunset what's the wisdom do not resemble the non-muslims and also because shaitan is there And at the time when the sun is at the meridian, then why? Because at that time, hell is heated up. So, Kitabul Adhan. The book of Adhan. Adhan literally means, وَأَذِّنْ فِي النَّاسِ بِالْحَجِّ What does it mean? To make an announcement. A declaration to make an announcement, a proclamation. And in the religion, in Sharia, Adhan is basically to make the announcement for the obligatory prayer meaning for the fard prayer as a technical term uh, for adhan it is said that it is worshiping allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by announcing the time of the prayer using phrases that have been narrated from the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in a specific manner remember that adhan is an act of worship and when it comes to an act of worship then we have to take only what we learn from the quran and sunnah you understand when it comes to worldly matters the general principle is that everything is permissible 
unless mentioned otherwise. But when it comes to the acts of worship, then remember it's the exact opposite. Everything is forbidden unless mentioned otherwise. In other words, when it comes to the matters of worship, you only perform what has been mentioned. You don't invent anything by yourself. If something is added, if something is changed, then that is what? An innovation. So because adhan is an act of worship, then it is an announcement for the prayer that is made using phrases that the Prophet ﷺ taught. Meaning that we cannot change the phrases at all, not even slightly. We cannot change them. We cannot eliminate any word. We cannot increase the frequency of repeating certain statements. No, you have to take it exactly as is. And it has to be made in a specific manner. Meaning in the manner that the Prophet ﷺ taught. Which is how that a person stands up, faces the Qibla, and then he makes the Adhan loudly. Meaning if the Adhan is being pronounced softly, then that is not according to the manner that has been taught. So, in summary, Adhan is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by announcing the time of the prayer using phrases that have been narrated from the Prophet ﷺ in a specific manner. And remember that when it comes to Adhan, it is a communal obligation. Meaning it is fard kifaya in the sense that when there are a group of people, then there should be at least one person who should go and make the adhan. And this is why we see that the Prophet ﷺ even had the adhan pronounced when he would be traveling. So whether he was in Medina or he was traveling somewhere in the middle of the desert, still the adhan would be pronounced. And people who would be alone in the deserts for their work, like for example, looking after their animals, even them, the Prophet ﷺ told them that when the time of prayer comes, then what should you do? Pronounce the adhan. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Bab Badul Adhan. The beginning of Adhan. The origin of Adhan. Meaning, how did it begin? When did it start? In other words, what is the evidence that the Adhan has to be made? Is it something that began after the Prophet ﷺ? Or is it something that has its basis in the Quran and Sunnah? وَقَوْلُهُ عَزَّ وَجَلْ And the statement of Allah the Exalted وَإِذَا نَادَيْتُمْ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ When you make the call to prayer اِتَّخَذُوهَا هُزُوًا وَلَعِبًا They make it into a mockery and a game. ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّهُمْ قَوْمٌ لَا يَعْقِلُونَ That is because they are people who do not have intellect. وَقَوْلُهُ And his statement إِذَا نُودِيَ لِلصَّلَاةِ مِنْ يَوْمِ الْجُمُعَةِ when the call to prayer is made on the day of Friday. So in these two verses, what do we see? What is mentioned? The adhan is mentioned. So from this it is clear that the call to prayer, the adhan, is something that has its basis established in the Qur'an and the sunnah. It is an act of worship. Because it is mentioned in the Qur'an. Adhan is mentioned in the Qur'an. We learn about it from the seerah of the Prophet So in other words, it is an obligation. It is something that the Muslims must perform. It is an act of worship and it is necessary. In these two verses, what is mentioned about the Adhan? In the first verse about the Munafiqeen and the Yahud, that what would they do? When the Adhan was pronounced, they would make fun of it. They would laugh at it. And unfortunately, we see that people still do it today. In Muslim countries, it is very common, unfortunately. And there are people who prefer to live not close to the masjid rather far from the masjid. Why? Because they get annoyed by the sound of the adhan. And in fact, there are certain 
areas now which are such that there is no masjid over there or if there is a masjid in the adhan was not made out loud. Why? Because the people get disturbed. This is in Muslim countries, unfortunately. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? That those who make fun of the adhan, who dislike it, then who are they? ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّهُمْ قَوْمٌ لَا يَعْقِلُونَ They do not have aql. Remember that aql is of two kinds. One is aql of idraq, the intellect that gives you the ability to perceive things. And the other is aql of rushd, of right guidance. So they may have idraq in the sense that they may be able to understand many things. They can perceive, they can rationalize, but when it comes to understanding their religion, then they don't understand it. They don't understand its sacredness, its seriousness, which is why they disrespect it and make fun of it. So if any person makes fun of the sha'ir of the deen, then that is a sign of, of what? Being intellectual. That they have a lot of aql. No, that is a sign that they don't have reason. حدثنا عمران بن ميسرة حدثنا عبد الوارث حدثنا خالد الحذاء عن أبي قلابة عن أنس قال He said, Anas رضي الله عنه said ذكر النار The people mentioned the fire والناقوس and the ناقوس What is ناقوس? Bell فذكروا So they also mentioned اليهود والنصارى The Jews and the Christians Meaning their ways of calling people for congregational prayers فَأُمِرَ بِلَالٌ So Bilal was commanded أَنْ يَشْفَعَ الْأَذَانِ That he should pronounce the adhan how? يَشْفَعَ يَشْفَعَ From Shafr Which is the opposite of Witr Witr is odd And Shafr is even So to make To pronounce two times Bilal was commanded to pronounce the phrases of the adhan How many times? Two times each وَأَنْ يُوتِرَ الْإِقَامَةِ and that he should make the iqama as witr. Meaning the phrases of iqama he should say one time each. حدثنا محمود بن غيلان قال حدثنا عبد الرزاق قال أخبرنا ابن جريج قال أخبرني نافع أن ابن عمر كان يقول ابن عمر used to say that كان المسلمون the Muslims they were حين at the time when قدم المدينة when they came to مدينة initially what happened يجتمعون they would just gather together فَيَتَحَيَّنُونَ Then they would appoint the time for الصَّلَاةَ for the prayer. لَيْسَ Not يُنَادَ لَهَا An announcement was made for it. Meaning, no announcement, no call was made for the prayer at the time when the Muslims initially came to Medina. Why? The people were few. فَتَكَلَّمُوا يَوْمًا فِي ذَلِكَ So one day they spoke about this issue. That there is a need to make the announcement. What should be done? فَقَالَ بَعْضُهُمْ So some of them said, meaning they suggested, اتَّخِذُوا نَاقُوسًا Take a ناقوس, meaning a bell. Ring a bell. مِثْلَ Like ناقوس النَّصَارَى Like the bell of the Christians. وَقَالَ بَعْضُهُمْ And some of them said, meaning they suggested, بَلْ Instead, there should be a بُوقًا Meaning a horn. مِثْلَ Similar to قَرْنِ الْيَهُودِ The horn of the Jews, meaning just like the Jews use one, we should also use this kind of a horn. فَقَالَ عُمَرْ So Umar anhu he said, أَوَلَا تَبْعَثُونَ رَجُلًا Why don't you send a man يُنَادِي بِالصَّلَةِ He can call people for the prayer. فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ So the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم at that time he said, يَا بِلَال أو بِلَال قُمْ Stand up, فَنَادِي بِالصَّلَةِ So make the call to prayer. Now in both of these ahadith, what do we see? 
about how the adhan began, how it started. In Medina, we learned that one of the first things the Prophet ﷺ did when he migrated was what? He built the masjid. And when he built the masjid, what happened? The prayer was established. And remember that initially there were not too many Muslims. And they were also close together. So as a result, what happened? That whenever the time for prayer came in, everybody would just go to the masjid. They would wait for people to come. And they would decide, okay, we'll start praying at this and this time, at such and such time. Just as in a house, if there are many people, and they wish to pray in congregation, then what do they do? We'll pray in 10 minutes. We'll pray right after dinner. Alright? And then what happens? They're waiting for one person to come, another person to come. When everybody's there, then they start the jama'ah. So similarly, the jama'ah was established in the masjid of Rasulullah wasallam in the same way. However, what happened? As the numbers grew, and Muslims weren't just living close to the masjid, rather they were spread out throughout the city of Medina, and everyone was not as vigilant about the timings of prayers, nor were they as knowledgeable. There was a need that was seen that the announcement be made. Because think about it, if an announcement is not made when there are many people, then even though you've told the people that at this time we're going to do this, what happens? Many people, they forget. Like for example, if there are a hundred people in one class, and they're told at 11.30, class will begin. Shouldn't it be expected that everybody should come by themselves? Yeah. But when there are more people, then what happens? Then takbirat have to be played. Why? So that people who are busy talking or eating, or they have forgotten about the class completely, when the takbirats are played, then they remember. So remember that when there are few people, announcement is not necessary. But when the numbers grow then an announcement is necessary. It's not because people have weak faith. It's just because logistically, it's more effective. It's a need. It's a necessity. So likewise, this need arose and the Prophet ﷺ, he discussed with the companions as to what should be done. How should the call be made? And remember, this was in the second year after Hijrah. In the second year after Hijrah. So the people, they gave their input. Some people suggested the fire, An-Nar. This is like the Zoroastrians, the fire worshippers, that they said a fire should be lit on a high place and when people will see that fire, they will realize it is time for prayer so everybody will head towards the masjid. Others suggested bell, like the Christians. Others suggested horn, like the Jews did. Some suggested a town crier, meaning send a person in the streets of Medina, he should go call the people, Salah is going to be started very soon, come to the masjid. But we see that none of these suggestions were accepted. Why? Why not? Because first of all, they resemble the ways of others, meaning non-Muslims. But also if you think about it, logistically, they require more effort and more resources. Isn't it so? Fire, you can only light if you have firewood. If Muslims happen to be in a place where wood is not readily available, then what are they going to do? Likewise, fire is only suitable when the weather is appropriate. If it's extremely hot, then lighting the fire would be a burden on the people. Also, if you think about it, it would take so long for people to gather firewood and then light the fire. And then think about it, tall buildings and people living far away. How can people go outside and check for the fire? Right? 
everybody cannot see either. Then we see that none of these ways have anything to do with the actual prayer. If you think about it, there's no connection. Right? There's no connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or worshipping Allah. There's no connection between a bell and salah. There's no connection between the sound of a horn and salah. There's no connection between fire and salah. And somebody going out in the streets, yelling at people, that's just noise. And it's also burdensome. It's also difficult. So then what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided the sahaba, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to adhan, which is much better. Because these words can be announced by any man, in any weather, right? In any situation, no matter what the geographical, you know, way is of that particular area, if it's mountains, if it's snow, is whatever it may be, a person can pronounce the adhan anywhere. It's so effective. And we see that these words of adhan, they show ta'zeem for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They declare His oneness, the truthfulness of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. There's call to prayer, call to success. So these words, really they're very meaningful. And they instantly join a person to the prayer. It's really an invitation to salah. It's beginning of salah. So Abdullah ibn Zayd radiallahu anhu, he was made to hear the words of Adhan in his sleep. And when this discussion was going on, he came to the Prophet ﷺ and he informed him about the words that he had heard. So the Prophet ﷺ told Abdullah ibn Zayd to teach Bilal radiallahu anhu the words of the Adhan. And he told Bilal radiallahu anhu to give the Adhan. Why? Because his voice was louder and more beautiful. So this is why the Prophet ﷺ told Abdullah ibn Zayd to teach him. And when Bilal radiallahu anhu, he pronounced the Adhan, Umar radiallahu anhu came rushing and he said, I heard these words in my sleep. In my dream, I heard these words. So there was confirmation. So we see that the words of Adhan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He guided the people to them. And in these two ahadith, we see that Bilal anhu, He gave the Adhan and He also gave the Iqamah. Because in the first hadith, what do we see? فَأُمِرَ بِلَالٌ أَن يَشْفَعَ الْأَذَانَ وَأَن يُوتِرَ الْإِقَامَةِ Then we also see that the Prophet ﷺ himself did not give the Adhan. Rather, he appointed the companions to make the Adhan. Usually it was Bilal anhu. at other times it was also Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum. He was also the Mu'adhin. And the Prophet ﷺ, he would lead the people in prayer. And we also see that the words of the Adhan, they were taught. They were taught in the sense that they were heard in a dream by two companions. The Prophet ﷺ had that companion, Abdullah ibn Zayd, teach the words to Bilal r.a. Right? And obviously, if they were not what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had intended, then the Prophet ﷺ would have changed, he would have corrected. So what do we see here? That the words of the adhan are part of the sharia, in the sense that they cannot be changed. Nothing can be removed from them. Nothing can be added to them. The adhan cannot be made in a different language either. Like in Turkey, adhan was made some time ago in what language? In Turkish. In opposition, in order to promote secularism, right? Because when Atatur came, what happened? There was great opposition to the religion. Many things were changed. Many things were banned. Hijab was banned. Beard was banned. Right? Quran was banned. Likewise, the adhan, it was changed. 
But we see that if anyone does this, then that adhan is not adhan. Because adhan is what the Prophet ﷺ taught, what he approved of. So the words of the adhan are mashur, meaning they cannot be changed. Likewise, we see that Bilal was told to stand and give the adhan. Qum. Why? Because this is the prescribed manner of giving the adhan. So this prescribed manner can also not be changed. Like for example, salah. It has to be performed in the prescribed way. Because it is an act of worship. So adhan also has to be given in the prescribed way. It cannot be changed. So what's the wisdom? What's the hikmah behind giving the adhan while standing? Exactly, the voice travels more. A person might argue, but these days you have microphones. Then, if a person is standing and reciting something, pronouncing something, then there is more voice. Do you understand? His announcement is more effective, loud, clear. Also ta'zim for the adhan. Because it's an important matter. It's easier for the person to give the adhan. Because if he's sitting down and then trying to make the adhan, he has to exert more effort. But if he's standing, the lungs are already straight, then it's easy for him. Important. And also if you think about it, if you're just sitting and talking, you're more relaxed and casual. But if you're standing, then you're more alert and conscious. And making the adhan is not something you know, small or insignificant. It's a very serious matter. It's a very praiseworthy matter. Inshallah, we will learn that if people realize the importance of giving the adhan, they would draw lots. They would argue for it. But we see that everyone was consulted. People gave their suggestions, but everyone's suggestion was not accepted. Only that one was accepted, which was according to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had intended. right? Because the Prophet ﷺ was guided to that. And even if we happen to be in a masjid and we hear the adhan, that is, remember, it's an act of worship. So it needs, we must show respect to it. Bab al-adhanu mathna mathna. The adhan is to be mathna mathna. What does it mean by mathna? Twice. Right? In twos. Remember, mathna wa thulatha wa No woman can forget that ayah, right? So mathna meaning in sets of two. So mathna mathna meaning the doubling up of the phrases of the adhan. حدثنا سليمان بن حرب قال حدثنا حماد بن زيد عن سماك بن عطية عن أيوب عن أبي قلابة عن أنس قال أمر بلال He said Bilal was instructed أن يشفع الأذان that he should make the words of adhan shaf meaning double وأن يوتر الإقامة and the words of إقامة single إلا الإقامة except for إقامة What does it mean by that? Meaning in the إقامة the phrases that talk about إقامة they have to be said twice. Meaning, the words, قَدْ قَامَتِ الصَّلَاةِ So in the iqama, what happens? When the person says, قَدْ قَامَتِ الصَّلَاةِ He doesn't say it once. He has to say it twice. حَدَّثَنَا مُحَمَّدْ قَالَ أَخْبَرَنَا عَبْدُ الْوَهَابِ قَالَ أَخْبَرَنَا خَالِدٌ الْحَذَّاءُ عَنْ أَبِي قِلَابَةَ عَنْ أَنَسِ بْنِ مَالِكٍ قَالَ لَمَّا كَثُرَ النَّاسُ When the people increased, قَالَ He said, ذَكَرُوا They mentioned, أَنْ يَعْلَمُوا وَقْتَ الصَّلَاةِ That they should know the time of the prayer بِشَيْءٍ يَعْرِفُونَهُ By something that they could recognize. Meaning something that they could understand that yes, it is referring to the prayer. فَذَكَرُوا أَنْ يُورُوا نَارًا So they mentioned that a fire should be lit. Or they should strike a bell. They should hit a bell. So Bilal was commanded that he should pronounce the adhan 
twice. وَأَنْ يُوتِرَ الْإِقَامَةِ And he should mention the phrases of iqama once. So the phrases of the adhan twice and the phrases of the iqama once. باب الإقامة واحدة إقامة is supposed to be said once إلا قوله except for his word meaning his saying قد قامت الصلاة that the prayer has been established so in the إقامة all the phrases will be said once except for the phrase قد قامت الصلاة that has to be said how many times? twice why? because that is how the Prophet ﷺ taught حدثنا علي بن عبد الله حدثنا إسماعيل بن إبراهيم حدثنا خالد عن أبي قلابة عن أنس قال he said أمر بلال أن يشفع الأذان بلال was commanded to pronounce the words of أذان twice وأن يوتر الإقامة and the إقامة once قال إسماعيل فذكرت لأيوب he said I mentioned it to أيوب فقال so he said إلا الإقامة meaning in the إقامة the words قد قامت الصلاة they have to be said twice not once now when it comes to the words of Adhan, what are they? First of all, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. How many times does this have to be said? Twice. So Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, once. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, second time. I mean, obviously if you break it down further, it's Allahu Akbar and Allahu Akbar. So it's kind of four times. But if you think about it, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar has to be said together. So it's one phrase, one statement. Okay. Then again, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Okay, so twice. Ashadu an la ilaha illallah, twice. Ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah, twice. Hayya ala salah, twice. Hayya ala falah, twice. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. So Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, twice. La ilaha illallah, once. Then when it comes to the iqama, it has to be said once. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashadu an la ilaha illallah, ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah, Hayya ala salah, hayya ala falah, qad qamat salah, qad qamat salah, twice. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, la ilaha illallah. You might be saying, why are we going over this? Because you have, inshallah, you have sons, or inshallah, you will have sons, or you will have boys around you, and as mothers, as women, it's necessary that we teach them these words. Now, in the Hanafi school of thought, the words of iqama are also said twice. Which is why if you go to some masajid, you might hear that the iqama is being said in that particular way, meaning Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah. So realize that this is from the Hanafi school of thought, but remember that of the two opinions, what is stronger? That it should be said once. Why? Because there are so many ahadiths that tell us that this is how the Prophet ﷺ taught the words of iqama. There is a difference between adhan, and iqama. Bab fadl ta'deen, the excellence of the adhan, the virtue of the adhan. How powerful is it? How powerful is it? It is so powerful that it drives shaitan away. And as you read this hadith, I want you to bring to mind places where you can just hear the adhan so loud and clear no matter where you are in that city. Whether it is Mecca or some other city in, the, in a Muslim country, it is so loud. You can hear it anywhere. Correct? So how powerful is the adhan? Imagine when you can hear the words of the adhan so loud and clear for like half an hour almost from the first adhan to the last adhan. What happens at that time? حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال أخبرنا مالك عن أبي الزناد عن الأعرج عن أبي هريرة أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إذا نودي للصلاة 
when the call to prayer is made, meaning when the adhan is pronounced, what happens? Adbara shaytan. Shaytan retreats. He runs away. He turns away and he runs. Walahu and for him buratun, passing of wind, meaning he passes wind at that time, hatta until la yasma'a ta'zin. He cannot hear the adhan. Meaning he goes far, far, far so that he cannot hear the adhan at all. فَإِذَا then when قَضَى النِّدَاءَ When the nida is over. Meaning, when the adhan is over, أَقْبَلَ He comes back. So he waits for the adhan to be over. Imagine he's like 50 miles away, 100 miles away, so that he cannot hear the words of the adhan at all. As soon as the adhan is over, he comes back. حَتَّى until إِذَا when ثُوِّبَ بِالصَّلَاةِ ثُوِّبَ ثُوِّبَ is from the root letters. ثَوَّوْبَ Thaba literally means raja. He returned. So thawwiba meaning it is repeated. In other words, the call to prayer is repeated. So what is it referring to? The iqama. So until thawwiba bisalati meaning the iqama is pronounced, then what happens? Adbara. He runs away again. So first he runs away when? When the adhan is pronounced. Far so that he cannot hear it. Even if it's a hundred kilometers away. As soon as it ends, he comes back. Rushes back. When the iqama is pronounced, again he runs away. Hatta ida until when qada tathwiba when the iqama is over, aqbala he returns. He comes back. Hatta until yahtura when the person is performing the salah, then what happens? Yahtura from khatara, which is to come and interfere. So basically, it's referring to that he casts whispers and he reminds a person. بَيْنَ الْمَرْءِ Between the person وَنَفْسِهِ and his nafs. He comes in between the person and his nafs. In other words, he's filling his mind with ideas and thoughts and reminders. يَقُولُ He says, أُذْكُرْ كَذَا Remember that. أُذْكُرْ كَذَا Remember that. لِمَا For that which لَمْ يَكُنْ يَذْكُرُ Which he did not remember at all. Meaning before the salah began, the person was not thinking about those things at all. But when the salah started, then he remembers all those things. حَتَّى until الرَّجُلُ A person becomes لَا يَدْرِي He does not know كَمْ صَلَّى How much he has prayed. He doesn't remember whether he has prayed two rakah, three rakah, whether he recited Surah Al-Fatiha or not. He cannot remember that. So in this hadith, what do we see? The power of adhan, the power of iqamah. And what is that? That shaitan, he gets so frightened, he gets so afraid, that he begins to panic, and in that panic, he even passes wind. Because you see, what happens is that if a person is afraid, or if a person is overcome by fear or panic, then what happens? People, they cannot have any control over their body. Which is why we see that even children, at times of fear, what will happen? They will urinate. Children who are toilet trained sometimes, what happens? If they are frightened, they will wet their pants. Right? So in a state of shock, this is what happens to people. This is what happens to individuals. So shaitan also, he gets so afraid of the adhan that he doesn't have any control over himself. He passes wind and he runs away. And he goes so far so that he cannot hear the adhan at all. So what do we learn from this? That shaitan is afraid of the adhan. Okay? Which is why we see that in Ruqya, that if a person is being bothered by the shaitan, and Ruqya is being done through the Qur'an, 
then also adhan is pronounced. Why? In order to chase shaitan away. And as soon as the adhan is over, shaitan comes back. Then when the iqamah is pronounced, again shaitan runs away and he comes back. And this is the reason why shaitan is called khannas. Because when a person remembers Allah, he runs away. But as soon as a person stops remembering Allah, he comes back. Think about it. What is the gap between adhan and iqamah? How much time is there? Sometimes even five minutes. Ten minutes, maximum fifteen minutes. It's not very long. If a person has to go somewhere between adhan and iqamah, he might say, okay, forget it. I won't go again. But look at shaitan, how determined he is. He will go and he will come back. Even if he can manage to come for those ten minutes and stop a person from prayer, he will do that. He will do that. He doesn't leave even ten minutes. He takes advantage of that short time between adhan and iqamah. He knows he's going to run away again. Doesn't matter. He will run away and he will come back. So what do we learn in this hadith? Many things. First of all, we learn about that shaitan, he has a body. Because who can pass wind? The one who has a body. We learn that shaitan hears, he passes wind, he eats, he drinks. He has a body, like human beings have a body. Obviously, the nature of that body is different, but he does have a body. The angels, on the other hand, don't have such a body. Why? Because they don't eat, they don't drink. Their nutrition is what? The dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Takbir, tahmeed, tahleel, tasbih. That's what we learn from in the hadith. Aisha Abu Anna, she asked the Prophet that what will happen at the time when the jal will come? Meaning, how will people survive? What will suffice them? So the Prophet said, that which suffices the angels. The dhikr of Allah. That's how they will survive without food and water. With the dhikr of Allah. That will be their nutrition. And we also learn this hadith about how vigilant shaitan is. That he waits for the son of Adam to attack him and to cast whispers in him. And he is so haris to distract a person from dhikr. That he will take advantage of those 10 minutes. And when a person is performing the salah, then what will happen? He will remind him of things that a person had completely forgotten before. He will remind him during the salah. Why? So that salah is only a bodily action. It's only a physical action. First, he will try to prevent a person from prayer. And when a person is praying, he will strive that the salah is just a physical action. And that a person's heart is absent. Because the dhikr of Allah is what? Amalul qalb, right? So he wants that the heart is not involved. This is why he comes between the person and his heart. So that the heart cannot be a part of the salah. You understand? He comes in between a person and his nafs so that the nafs is not involved in the prayer. There is a disconnect. And when there is that disconnect, then salah will be naqis. It's not invalid. The salah will still be valid. But remember that it will be naqis. So shaitan, his goal is that a person should not remember Allah in the prayer. And there is a narration in which we learn that لَكَ مِن صَلَاتِكَ مَا عَقَلْتَ مِنْهَا You have from the prayer what you understand from it. Meaning, for as long as your mind is attentive, your heart is involved in the prayer, that portion you will get reward for it. That will be meaningful. And the part of the prayer in which your heart is distracted, you're thinking about other things, you're disconnected from the prayer, then you have no benefit from that. So that will be valid, but there isn't much reward out of it. So this is what shaitan strives to do. And 
Also we see that especially what he does is that in the prayer he makes a person remember forgotten things. And this is something very true. Very true. It happens with many people. There's a story of Imam Abu Hanifa actually that there is a man who once came to him and he said that somebody gave me a wadi'ah, I mean something to keep and I can't remember where it is. So Abu Hanifa told him, go pray to Nafal. So he went and prayed to Nafal and he said, I remembered where it is. Because shaitan, he makes us forget and he makes us remember also. Remember? فَأَنْسَاهُ الشَّيْطَانِ Shaitan made him forget. Right? So shaitan makes us forget certain things, very important things. And then he makes us remember them when? In prayer. So what's the solution to that? What should we do? What should we do? To avoid this as much as possible. To counter this. If the heart is conscious involved from the very beginning, from when the adhan is made, that a person responds to the adhan, then between adhan and iqama, the person makes dua, busies himself with the dhikr of Allah, then during salah his heart will be involved. Right? But how to counter this? Because something very common, I think it happens with almost everybody. Imagine if Imam Abu Hanifa, he told a man, Go pray nafal. I mean, there must have been a reason why he told him, right? So what should we do to avoid this? Pronouncing the words with your mouth. Because when your senses are involved, you know, when you're trying to pronounce that ha and ayn and everything properly, you're pronouncing the adhan with the correct tajweed, then what will happen? You're more focused. And when you're focused, then your heart is involved. Okay. But for many people, even that is so easy. Second nature to pronounce Allah like that. So what should they do then? The thing is that when you're focused on something, then you forget other matters. When you're focused on something, then you forget other matters. So what is necessary? That we learn to focus in the prayer. How to focus? Learn the meaning of the prayer first of all. Secondly, recite different athkar, different surahs, so that you can help yourself focus. Right? And for that, one of the things that we can do is, like for example, there's a book in Urdu Namaz and Nabwi. There's also another book in English, Prayer of the Prophet So in that, there are many adhkar for rukur, for sujood, right? for qama. So what should you do? Keep that book handy. Don't just keep it in a bookshelf away. Keep it in your living room or something where you generally pray so that you can... Look at it. You can remember it. You can learn it. Right? We should strive to improve the quality of our prayers. That if we write it somewhere where we can see it regularly, for example, as wallpaper of your phone or of your computer, just one dua that you're trying to memorize, focus on one dua per week and start reciting that dua in your salah. And you will see a difference. Likewise, trying to observe the sunnah of the Prophet like for instance, if for Salatul Fajr on Jumu'ah, you want to make sure that you recite Suratul Insan and Suratul Sajda. So remind yourself at the beginning of the prayer that I have to recite these two surahs. Then what will happen? Suratul Fatiha, you're focused. Why? Because you want to recite Suratul Insan. So when you consciously try to recite certain surahs, recite certain adhkar, then automatically you'll be more focused. When you're focused, then shaitan cannot distract you. That if there are parts of the Qur'an that you're memorizing, then recite those in prayer. 
If there's parts of the Qur'an that you've memorized and you feel that you're forgetting them, start reviewing them in the salah. Like for example, one thing that you can do is that in Fajr, recite Surah Al-Naba and Nazi'ah. So recite these two surahs. Firstly, you get the advantage of long qiyam. Secondly, you get to review both of these surahs. And in Zuhr, you know, go forwards one after the other. And until the end of the day or until two days, the end of two days, inshallah you have reviewed your entire 30 ages. So it's a good way of review and it's a good way of focusing on the prayer so that shaitan cannot distract us. Because this is what shaitan wants. Disconnect between us and the prayer. Salah is just a physical action. Heart is not involved. When it is not involved, when there is no dhikr of Allah, then there isn't much benefit out of the prayer in the sense that a person is not making the most of the prayer. Reciting the Qur'an with tartil basically. That you're reflecting on the meaning also. So you're pausing at the right place. Recite different surahs. So that also helps. Again, focused on the prayer that you perform wudu, proper wudu, fresh wudu, you're wearing proper dress, then that is also helpful. Because then you enter that mode. Then your heart is involved, your mind is involved, your body is involved, then you can focus easily. Also one more thing, the problem is that shaitan makes us remember forgotten things. And once you remember them in prayer, then you start panicking. What if I forget by the end of the prayer? So what is necessary? That what is important, write it down. So that even if you forget temporarily, in your salah if you remember, you will say, it's okay, I have it written down. Focus. So this will inshallah help in the prayer. Bab رَفْعِ الصَّوْتِ بِالنِّدَاءِ Raising the voice during the call. Nida meaning? Adhan. In other words, the adhan should not be pronounced softly. It has to be said out loud. Why? So that it can be heard. The purpose of the adhan is proclamation, announcement. And if the announcement is not being made out loud, then the purpose is not being fulfilled. وَقَالَ عُمُرُ بْنُ عَبْدِ الْعَزِيزِ Umar bin Abdul Aziz, when he was the Amir, he said, Adhin, he said to the Mu'adhin, that give the adhan, how? Adhanan samhan. Adhan, that is samhan. What is samhan? Easy. illa and if not, fa'tazilna. Then keep away from us. Meaning then you don't need to give the adhan, we'll appoint somebody else. We see that apparently, the statement of Umar bin Abdul Aziz contradicts the bab. Because the bab is to give the adhan loudly. And Umar bin Abdul Aziz said, give the adhan easily. So what does this mean? What Umar bin Abdul Aziz meant by the word samhan was that give the adhan in a natural way. In a natural way. Not shouting. There's a difference between saying something loudly and saying something in a manner that is shouting. Aggressive. So refrain from being aggressive when you're giving the adhan. Samh basically means to be generous, to be easy. بُعِثْتُ بِالْحَنِيفِيَةِ samhati. I have been sent with the Hanafiya religion which is easy. So adhan should be plain and simple, meaning without being extremely loud, without elongating the words excessively or making it too beautiful in the sense that some people's focus is just to beautify the adhan, so it's as though they are singing the adhan. So this is what Umar bin Abdul Aziz was referring to, that refrain from this. Give it in a decent way. 
And if you're not going to give it in a decent way, then keep away. Because you're not singing in a concert over here. You are calling the people to prayer. So be easy on yourself and also be easy on the people who are listening. Because sometimes what happens? That the words of the adhan, they're elongated so much that you're waiting for the person to finish the ah so that you can respond. And they're struggling. And sometimes they, you know, they're out of breath. But in just imitating or in just beautifying the adhan, the purpose is left behind. So remember that there should be no shouting in the adhan. It should be done in a beautiful way, but in a natural way. And we see that with the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala these days, microphones, a person really doesn't need to yell. He just needs to be loud and clear, and that is sufficient. So we see that in the adhan there should also be humility. Loudness does not mean shouting with pride and arrogance. There should be humility in the voice. Because a person is calling people to prayer. He's testifying to the oneness of Allah, to the truthfulness of the Prophet ﷺ. So with iman, there should also be humility. And that humility should be clear in the voice. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال أخبرنا مالك عن عبد الرحمن بن عبد الله بن عبد الرحمن بن أبي صعصع الأنصاري ثم المازني عن أبيه أنه أخبره أن أبا سعيد الخدري قال له إني أراك So Abu Sa'id he said to this person that I see you تحب الغنم والبادية that you love sheep and the desert meaning you love to be with your sheep in the desert away from the people some people are like that. Some people like to be with others in the sense that they're very social. They can't do without people and their friends. And other people, they are happy with animals even. So he said, I see you, that you love your sheep and you love to be in the desert. فَإِذَا كُنْتَ فِي غَنَمِكْ So when you are with your sheep, أَوْ Or in your desert, meaning when you're there, فَأَذَّنْتَ بِالصَّلَاةِ Then give the adhan. For the prayer, meaning when the time of prayer comes in, then pronounce the adhan. And when you do that, then raise your voice in the call. Meaning when you're making that call, when you're making the adhan, say it out loud. Don't say, oh, there's nobody here, there's no houses nearby, so why bother? I'll just say the adhan, adhan softly. No. Say it out loud. فَإِنَّهُ Because indeed, it la يَسْمَعُ He doesn't hear. Who? Mada, the extent of sawtil mu'adhin, the voice of the mu'adhin, who doesn't hear? Jinnun wala insun, wala shay'un. No jinn, no human, no thing. Meaning, there is nothing within the extent of your voice, meaning nothing that will hear your voice, so you understand? As far as your voice reaches, anything within that bounds, whether it's a human being or a jinn or anything, whether it's a rock or a tree, illa except shahida lahu yawmal qiyamah. It will bear witness for him on the day of judgment. That, Ya Allah, I heard his call to prayer. It will testify for him. Qala Abu Sa'idin, Samir'tuhu min Rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, I heard this from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So what do we see here? That whatever the voice falls on, whether living or non-living, it will testify in the favor of the person on the Day of Judgment. This is why a person must not be shy in making the adhan. And a person should 
say the adhan even when he is alone. Meaning even when there is no jama'ah that's going to be established. Why? Because here a person is accumulating reward for himself. I remember once we traveled to Alberta in the National Parks, Banff and Jasper. And beautiful places, beautiful places. And there's glaciers there which are melting. And imagine melting glaciers. You can imagine how many rocks are falling. And this has been going on for so many years. So imagine the amount of rocks and the and the number of trees. So as we were there, for some reason I kept remembering this hadith and I was telling my husband, please just give the adhan. Just give the adhan. Because imagine, we can't even count the number of rocks here. We can't even count the number of trees here. It was a little awkward because there were so many people there, but, you know, never mind. Inshallah, even they will be a witness. All these things will be a witness. Sometimes it happens that when we go on family picnics and the time for prayer comes in, people just perform the salah. But remember that before the salah, if the adhan is pronounced, there's so much reward for the mu'addin. So much reward. So make sure to encourage your husbands and your sons and your fathers and your children, whichever men are around you, teach your children the adhan from a young age so that they're confident about it and they can read it even when they're alone. Usually they give the iqama. Adhan should also be given. And we see here the importance of pronouncing the adhan even when a person is alone, meaning in the desert. Why? Because if a person continues to be away from the masjid, he doesn't hear the adhan, doesn't hear the iqama, doesn't perform salah in jama'ah, then this is something very serious. In a hadith which is in Silsilat al-Sahihah, we learned the Prophet ﷺ said, the destruction of my ummah will be in the book of Allah and milk. My ummah will be destroyed how? Through the book of Allah and through milk. The Sahaba said, O Messenger of Allah, what book and milk? The Prophet ﷺ said, they will learn the Qur'an, but will interpret it in a way that Allah the Exalted did not reveal it as. They will misinterpret the book. So as a result, they will be destroyed. They will head towards their destruction. And milk? Because he said, they will love milk so much that they will leave congregational prayers and Friday prayers, and move to the countryside. They will go to the deserts. Why? Because the milk is better over there. Food is better. It's like people buying their houses far from the masjid. Why? Because they have you know, a, great, a bigger lot, a bigger house. It's a new area. And as a result, what happens? For the sake of food, for the sake of the enjoyment of this world, what is abandoned? The masjid is abandoned. What is abandoned? Jama'ah, adhan. So much so that the children don't even know what adhan is. Because when the house is far from the masjid, how often will people go to the masjid? It's so difficult. And maybe the father will go once in a while. Okay, but when will the children go? Children who have to go to school, when when will they ever go to the masjid? They hardly go. Which is why sometimes we see that at Eid, when there are so many people, many children, it's almost their first time that they're coming to the masjid. When they hear the adhan, they start crying. They get afraid. Because they're not used to it. The noble words of Adhan, they're not used to it. So this is something that will cause the destruction of the Ummah. This is why if a person for some genuine reason, he has no choice. He is away from the masjid. Then what is necessary? That when the time of prayer comes in, Adhan is pronounced. Iqama is pronounced. Jama'a is established. Bab ma yuhqanu bil adhani min Ma yuhqanu. Hakan is to stop, to prevent. So, ma yuhqanu bil adhan, because of adhan, what is prevented, 
What has prevented minad dima from bloodshed? Meaning adhan prevents bloodshed. In other words, when adhan is heard in a place, then the blood of the people of that land has to be respected. Meaning it will not be shed. In other words, Muslims are not allowed to raise their weapons against a community where the adhan is pronounced. Because if the adhan is made, then that is a sign that those people are Muslim. They're establishing the prayer. If they're establishing the prayer, they're Muslim. So as a result, war would not be waged against those people. Arms should not be raised against those people. And it is unfortunate that it is the Muslims who are attacking places where the adhan is pronounced. حدثنا قتيبة بن سعيد قال حدثنا إسماعيل بن جعفر عن حميد عن أنس بن مالك أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم The habit of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم was what? That either when غزابنا When he would raid with us against who? قوم a people In other words, if he would go to fight with the people لم يكن يغزوبنا He would not attack them Meaning we would not attack them حتى until يصبح until it would be morning. وَيَنظُرَ And he would see. The Prophet ﷺ would wait for the morning to arrive. And he would wait. He would see. He would check. فَإِن سَمِعَ أَذَانًا If he heard the adhan, كَفَّعَنْهُمْ Then he would refrain from them. Meaning he would not attack them. Then those people would not be attacked. In other words, they would not be fought against. وَإِن لَمْ يَسْمَعْ أَذَانًا But if the adhan was not heard, then aghara alayhim. Then he would attack them. Qala he said, فَخَرَجْنَا إِلَىٰ خَيْبَر He said, so we went out to Khaybar. Meaning with the Prophet ﷺ. He was referring to the battle against the people of Khaybar. The Yahud over there. فَانْتَهَيْنَا إِلَيْهِمْ لَيْلًا So we stopped over there at night. Meaning we waited at night. فَلَمَّا أَصْبَحَ Then when the morning came. وَلَمْ يَسْمَعْ أَذَانًا And he did not hear the adhan. Rakiba. Then the Prophet ﷺ embarked, meaning his animal. وَرَكِبْتُ خَلْفَ أَبِي طَلْحَةً The narrator is saying that I, Anas ibn Malik basically, that I embarked behind Abu Talha رضي الله عنه. وَإِنَّ قَدَمِي And indeed my foot لَتَمَسُّ قَدَمَ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ Was touching the foot of the Prophet ﷺ. قَالَ يَسَدْ فَخَرَجُوا إِلَيْنَا So the people of Khaybar, they came out to us, meaning they came out of their homes why? Because these people, they were farmers, right? So they came out early morning with their equipment, heading towards their fields. But فَلَمَّا رَأَوُ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم, When they saw the Prophet قالوا, they said, Muhammadun, Muhammad, Wallahi, by Allah. Meaning they started making the announcement amongst their people that he's here. Muhammadun, Wal-Khamis. Khamis, army, huge army. It's called Khamis because it's got like five parts to it. So five battalions. So they said, Muhammad wal Khamis, meaning the army is here. Qala falamma ra'ahum Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When the Prophet sallallahu saw the people, qala he said, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Kharibat Khaybar. Khaybar is destroyed. Inna idha nazalna, indeed when we come upon bisahati qawmin and the yard of a people, fasa'a sabahul munzareen. So how evil is the morning of the people who were warned. In other words, then they've met their end basically. So in this hadith, what do we see? That adhan, when it is made in a city, in a population, then that is a sign that those people are Muslim. And thus their blood will be respected. 
But if that is not there, then it shows that they are not Muslim. It is one of the obvious signs of Islam. In a hadith we learn, Anas ibn Malik anhu, this is a hadith in Sahih Muslim, the Prophet ﷺ, he said to attack the enemy at dawn. The Prophet ﷺ gave the instructions that attack the enemy at dawn. He would listen to the adhan, so if he heard it, he would stop. Otherwise, he would charge. Once on hearing a man say, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, meaning the Prophet ﷺ was waiting at Fajr time. So when he heard the adhan, the Prophet ﷺ said, he is following the fitrah. He is upon the fitrah. And then when the adhan continued, when the mu'adhin said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, the Prophet ﷺ said, you have come out of the fire. You have come out of the fire. Meaning with this declaration of yours, you've come out of the fire, you're saved. Meaning your life is saved now, and in the hereafter also you'll be saved. So the people who heard the Prophet ﷺ say this about that mu'adhin, they checked who is that mu'adhin. And they looked and found that he was just a shepherd. Just an ordinary man, a shepherd, who looked after some sheep. And the Prophet ﷺ said about him, he is on the fitrah, he has come out of the fire. So really giving the adhan is a very noble thing. If you wish to find this hadith, go to sunnah.com and there is a search to over there so you can mention that. Bab ma yaqulu ila al-munadi So the hadith that we have learned so far, men can observe it, inshallah. What about us when we hear the adhan? What can we do? Reply. Al-munadi. Who is the munadi? The one who is calling. Meaning the one who is calling to the prayer. In other words, the mu'adhin. So when a person hears the adhan, what should he do? Just listen? Or talk? Or continue eating? Or should he respond with some words? He should respond with some words. What are those words? حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال أخبرنا مالك عن ابن شهاب عن عطاء بن يزيد الليثي عن أبي سعيد الخدري أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إذا سمعتم النداء when you hear the call فقولوا then you should say مثل ما يقول المؤذن similar to what the مؤذن says so exactly what the مؤذن says you should say so when the مؤذن says الله أكبر الله أكبر what should we say الله أكبر الله أكبر when he says أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله what should we say same so the words of the adhan, we should also say them. We should repeat the words of the mu'adhin. حدثنا معاذ بن فضالة قال حدثنا هشام عن يحيى عن محمد بن إبراهيم بن الحارث قال حدثني عيسى بن طلحة أنه سمع معاوية يوما He said he heard معاوية رضي الله عنه one day فقال so he said مثله Like it. Meaning exactly what the mu'adhin said. That's what معاوية رضي الله عنه said. إلى قوله until his statement وأشهد أن محمد رسول الله after وَأَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَدَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ What comes? حَيَّ عَلَى الصَّلَةِ So in response to that, he said something different. What was that? We learn in the next hadith. حدثنا إسحاق بن راهوي قال حدثنا وهب بن جرير قال حدثنا هشام عن يحيى نحوه قال يحيى وحدثني بعض إخواننا أنه قال لما قال حَيَّ عَلَى الصَّلَةِ That when he said حَيَّ عَلَى الصَّلَةِ معاوية قال He said لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله he said, لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله There is no power and might except with Allah. وقال هكذا سمعنا نبيكم. Muawiyah said that this is how we heard your Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول. This is how he used to answer the call. So this is how I answer the call as well. So what do we learn in these ahadiths? That the etiquette of listening to the adhan is that one must also respond to it. 
Because the adhan is not just a mere recitation of certain words. What is it? It is a call. And a call is to be answered. How? In words and also in actions. If somebody calls you, then there is a response that is expected from you. And that response should be through words and also through actions. Through words as in if they've asked you to do something, you say, okay, I will do it. Yes, I will bring it. Right? Labbaik. Okay? These are all responses. How? In words. In actions that you do what he's calling you to. So for example, if somebody says, come, what should you do? Just say, I'm coming. And don't come? No, I'm coming and come also. If you just come without saying anything, then what will happen? They will keep calling you because they don't know if you're coming or not. Right? So what's the etiquette? If somebody's calling you, then you respond in words and also in actions. Now when the mu'adhin is making the adhan, we do respond with actions, that we pray the salah. But we should also respond with words. Even though he can't hear it. But who's hearing? Who's recording? The angels, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is listening. The angels are recording. They will report to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what is the way of answering the call? That the words of the adhan should be repeated. Because what is the mu'adhin saying? Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. So you also say Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allah is the greatest. He says, I bear witness that there is no God worthy of worship but Allah. You also say that. He says, I bear witness that Muhammad ﷺ is the messenger of Allah. You say the same thing. But the words, Hayya ala salah, come to prayer. Hayya ala al-falah, come to prayer. If you also say, Hayya ala salah, Hayya ala al-falah, that doesn't make sense. Because you are being called. So what do you say at that time? La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. We don't say, Qad jitu, okay. I'm coming, I have come. Because you entrust your affair to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the ability to respond to this call also comes from who? Allah alone. So you say at that time, there is no power and might except with Allah. Abu Hurairah radhiallahu anhu narrated, this is a hadith in Sahih al-Targhib al-Targhib, that we were with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when Bilal got up and called for the prayer. When he finished, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Whoever says the same words as he says with certainty, meaning answers the call of the Mu'addin with yaqeen, will enter paradise. Will enter paradise. Because sometimes we think that it's not wajib. And we're sitting there and our mouths are closed. It's not difficult to respond to the words of the adhan, but we, we just become lazy. But remember that if a person responds to the adhan with certainty, this hadith says, he will enter Jannah. In another hadith, which is also in Sahih al-Targhib al-Targhib, Aisha radhiallahu anha, she said, that whenever the Messenger of Allah heard the Mu'addin saying, the Shahada, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashadu anna Muhammad rasulullah, the Prophet would say at that time, wa ana, wa ana. And I also, I also testify that there is no God worthy of worship but Allah. And that Muhammad is the Messenger of Allah. So the Hadith in Bukhari tells us, what do we say? Ashadu an la ilaha illallah, ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. And this Hadith, it tells us, we say, wa ana, wa ana. Meaning, I also testify, I also testify. And you feel it, that when you respond to the Adhan in these both ways, then your heart will be more involved. Shaykh ibn Uthaymin, he said that if the adhan is recorded, 
and it is not being given at the time of prayer. Like for example, you hear it on your phone. Then its phrases do not have to be repeated. Why? Because it is not a real call to prayer. You understand? It is not a real call to prayer and it is not being given when it is enjoined to give the adhan. Adhan is what? Announcement that the time for prayer has entered. So come and pray the salah. Alright? Or wherever you are, pray the salah. But the adhan that's going on on your phone, on your computer, first of all, it is just a recording. It's not a real call to prayer. The mu'adhin does not have the intention to call you to that prayer. And secondly, it's not being played when. So this is why it is not necessary to respond to that call. But let's say you have it on your phone and it goes off when the time for prayer enters. Then do you answer? Again, you don't. Why? Because it's a recording. When the mu'adhin made that adhan, he wasn't calling you to this prayer in the year 2014. Right? He made it in the year 2000 or in 1990 something. And it is being played now. So you're not required to respond to it. Then he also said that it is not wajib to respond to the mu'adhin. Because when the Prophet ﷺ taught the people about adhan, iqama, salah, he mentioned everything except for responding to the adhan. So we see that where it is highly recommended, where it is a sunnah, it is preferable that a person should do it. There is great reward attached to it. It is not mandatory. So if, for instance, a person is engaged in something very important and urgent, and he cannot defer it, then should he stop everything and start responding to the adhan? If he can, go ahead. But if he's not able to, then it is not a sin on him. You understand? If it was a matter of fard, then if a person did not answer the adhan, what would it be? A sin on him. Okay? So it is not wajib, but it is better. Likewise, if a person is praying nafil in the masjid, and the mu'adhan starts to give the adhan, then what should you do? Start responding to the adhan in your prayer? No. Because it is not fad. A person should focus on their prayer and complete the prayer so that he can join the jama'ah. Likewise, if a person is in the washroom and the adhan is being pronounced and he can hear it, then should he answer the call? No, he shouldn't. Right? So what do we learn? That responding to the adhan, a person must pay attention to it, must take the opportunity and respond because it's highly rewardable. But he should not make it a burden upon himself. Bab ad-du'a'i inda nida supplication inda nida making du'a inda nida. Imam Bukhari didn't say ba'da after, because from the hadith we see that it can be both ways inda samaihi and inda intihai. A person can make du'a while listening to the adhan and also after the adhan has ended. But we see that from other hadith, the dua which the Prophet ﷺ taught is to be said when? After the adhan. حدثنا علي بن عياش قال حدثنا شعيب بن أبي حمزة عن محمد بن المنكدر عن جابر بن عبد الله أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال من قال whoever says حين يسمع النداء when he hears the nida. So see from the words of hadith when he hears the nida, when he hears the call اللهم رب هذه الدعوة التامة والصلاة القائمة آت محمد الوسيلة والفضيلة وبعثه مقام محمود الذي وعدته If he says this dua then what will happen حلت له شفاعتي يوم القيامة My shafa'ah will be permissible for him when on the day of judgment 
meaning it will be available to him. The Prophet ﷺ will intercede for this person on the Day of Judgment. Now what is this dua? Allahumma, O Allah, Rabba, the Lord of Hadihi, this, da'wa call. What kind of call is this? At-tamma, perfect. O Allah, the Lord of this perfect call. What is the perfect call? What is the perfect call referring to? Adhan. Why is it called perfect? Because it is perfect in every way. Ibn Hajar, he said, Al-Qurtubi and others have said that the adhan, although its phrases are few, includes issues of aqidah. Because it starts with takbir, Allahu Akbar, which speaks of the existence and perfection of Allah. Then it praises Him and proclaims His oneness, His tawheed, and denies that He has any partner. Then it affirms the messengership of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Then it calls to obedience following the testimony that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is a messenger of Allah. Because how he is to be obeyed can only be known through the messenger. Then it calls to success, which is eternal life, which is a reference to the resurrection. And then it repeats phrases by way of affirmation. So it's a very complete and perfect call. Allahumma rabba hadihi da'wati al-tamma Was-salati al-qa'ima Al-salati al-qa'ima The salat that is established Meaning it is a call to the salat that is established What does it mean by this Al-salati al-qa'ima Two things First of all Salat that is established Meaning that the people establish Iqamatu salat Al-ladhina yuqimuna salat So this call is inviting to what? Salah that is to be established. And secondly, it means that it is a call for salah that is going to be established now. Meaning salatul hadira. The salah, the time of which has entered, allati satuqamu. That will be established. Ati Muhammadan il wasilata wal fadila. O Allah, please give to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam al wasila wal fadila. What is Al-Wasila? By the way, you might feel a little uncomfortable that why is the name of the Prophet ﷺ mentioned? Why not Rasulullah or Nabiullah? Why? Because when the Prophet ﷺ is being mentioned, then his name can be mentioned. But when he's being called, like the companions would speak to the Prophet ﷺ, when they would address him, then what were they told? To use his title. Right? Say, Ya Rasulullah. So, Ati Muhammadin al-Wasilata wal-Fadila. Give to the Prophet ﷺ, Wasila and Fadila. What is Wasila? Highest rank in Jannah, which is to be given to only one person. And the Prophet ﷺ hoped that it would be him. Wasila is the maqam, it's the makan, it's the place, highest rank. Wal Fadila. Fadila superiority. It's basically describing the state of that maqam. Meaning the highest, the most superior rank, position. So, O oh Allah, Please give it to the Prophet ﷺ. Why do we ask for this? Why? After the adhan, why? Because adhan is a call to salah. And salah is something wajib. Right? It's something that is mandated on every Muslim. And we could never have performed a prayer unless the Prophet ﷺ came and he taught. Right? So it's his great ihsan on us that he underwent all that difficulty and strove until the religion was perfected. 
And it was preserved until we have it today. He established the Adhan. So until that day, Adhan is pronounced. So it's his great Ihsan on us. So because of that great Ihsan, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to reward him generously. And what is the most generous reward? That may Allah give him, grant him the highest rank in Jannah. It's like, you know, when somebody's taught you something nice or shown you something really amazing, then dua comes from the bottom of your heart. You want the best for them. So you ask Allah to give them the highest darajat. So the Prophet ﷺ, he taught us the best ways. Anything that was good for us, he directed us to that. It's his great ihsan upon us. So this is why after every adhan, we should make the dua that, Oh Allah, please give him the highest rank in Jannah. وَالْفَضِيلَ Superiority. وَبَعَثُهُ And raise him to maqaman, to the place that is mahmudan, praiseworthy. الَّذِي وَعَدْتَ Which you promised him. What is maqam mahmud? The prayer station. The station where only the Prophet ﷺ will be on the Day of Judgment, where he will praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Basically it's referring to shafa'a uzma, shafa'a kubra. Remember there's two shafa'a, right? If you're not sure, if you've forgotten, inshallah soon I'll be teaching this in Aqidah, in the TQE weekday courses, so you're more than welcome to join and review it. It's necessary that we re- review our iman. So shafa'a uzma it's referring to, which is when the people will go to all the prophets, Adam a.s., Nuh a.s., Ibrahim a.s., Musa a.s., Isa a.s., asking them to please beg Allah to start the judgment. And then eventually they will go to the Prophet And when they will go to him, then what will he do? He will praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He will glorify him. Such tasbihat that are just amazing. So this is on what? Maqamam mahmudan. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask the Prophet that what do you want? Ask and you will be granted. So anyway, it's referring to that and the Prophet will request that judgment begin. And then the judgment will begin. So, O oh Allah, please give to the Prophet maqam mahmudan alladhi wa'atta which you have promised him. When did Allah promise the Prophet this maqam? In the Quran. In Surah Al-Isra, Ayah 79. وَمِنَ اللَّيْلِ فَتَهَجَّدْ بِهِ نَافِلَةً لَكَ عَسَىٰ أَن يَبْعَثَكَ رَبُّكَ مَقَامًا مَحْمُودًا You might say, but it says عَسَىٰ. Perhaps. That's not a promise. Remember عَسَىٰ in the Qur'an, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says concerning a reward, then it is definite. It is not to be understood as perhaps or maybe. It's for tahakkuk, for certainty. So, أَلَّذِي وَعَدْتَهُ so whoever says this dua, حَلَّتْ لَهُ شَفَاعَةِ يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ He will have the Prophet's shafa'a on the Day of Judgment. And the shafa'a of the Prophet ﷺ, it is khas. Meaning it is, it's very special. And it is of three kinds. One is at the mawqif, meaning where everyone will be standing. So the, for the judgment to begin, and as people's cases are being resolved, then the Prophet ﷺ will intercede for them. Secondly, after the matter of judgment is complete, then when the people of paradise are to be admitted into Jannah, then the Prophet ﷺ will again intercede. That Jannah be opened. The doors of Jannah be opened so that people can enter. So the Prophet ﷺ will intercede at that point also. And then when people are in their designated, in their destined places, then the Prophet ﷺ will intercede for his uncle Abu Talib that his punishment be reduced and that shafa'a will be accepted. 
Because in the case of any disbeliever, shafa'a will not help. Correct? But in the case of Abu Talib, it will be accepted that the punishment is reduced. Not that he's taken out of hellfire. Just that the punishment is reduced. So the shafa'a of the Prophet ﷺ will be at three occasions on the Day of Judgment. First, at the mawqif, where the creation will stand for judgment. Secondly, when the cases are over, people are to enter Jannah. The Prophet ﷺ will come and request to shafa'a, intercede, that please Allah open the doors of Jannah so that the people can finally go there. And then the Prophet ﷺ will also intercede for Abu Talib. So this is the reward of making this dua after the adhan that a person will get the shafa'a of the Prophet ﷺ. There are many other virtues also of making this dua and there are other duas also for after the adhan which inshallah we will do next time. Inshallah. Okay. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. So for this week focus on what? Adhan, what part of the Adhan? Responding to the Adhan. And remember that the reward is what? The person who answers it properly with certainty, he will enter Jannah. And making the dua afterwards, so that we can be worthy of the Prophet intercession on the Day of Judgment. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.